So you know how in lockdown we have so few pleasures? So few. And some would say none. All right, Miss Pessimist, glass half empty. Would it be fair to say that everyone's coffee outing is like one of the most thrilling parts of your day? Highlight of the day, big deal. And since I've been a mocha drinker now for like two whole months, (laughs) I've become a snob. Oh my God, didn't take long. No, I'm such a connoisseur now of mockers. (laughs) I don't feel like connoisseur and mocha should go in the same sentence. Hanji P, they should. (laughs) I don't see what the problem is. I I feel like mocha drinkers get talked down to. Normalise mocha drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Mocha drinkers get talked down to because it's a coffee milkshake. Fuck off. It's a hot coffee milkshake. I just feel like we're constantly justifying our worth of being part of the coffee club. Mocha drinkers. Like, I feel like we're Melbourne. And full-strength coffee drinkers are Sydney. And we're constantly proving ourselves. Because Melbourne has the, like, amazing coffee. And Sydney is, like... Superior. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Not what I was trying to say. Kidding. Sure, sure. Anyway, mocha drinker, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Now that you're a connoisseur... Well, I'm just really upset when I get a shit mocha. Yeah. Like, it ruins my day. What makes a shit mocha? Well, do you not get disappointment when you get a shit coffee? Yes. And I'm an almond milk drinker, so I get disappointed often when the almond milk... Scoff, scoff. What? Almond milk drinker. It's good, because I love my coffee, but I don't like all that milk. Too much milk blobbling around in your tummy. Makes you feel a bit too full. Bit farty. Bit farty. Bit farty. Bit bloated. To me, full cream milk feels like a warm hug. And do you know what's funny? When I go up and say I'll have a mocha, they're always like, what milk? I'm oh. like, wow, suddenly full cream yeah. is an option. Yeah. Like it's not the default. Yes. I'm, I've am i become the variant. Yeah, you're not having a weak oat mocha. I'm an outlier, y'all. Who'd have thunk it? But often I actually like the shit almond milk, like the cheap, cheap almond milk. It's just a little bit sweeter and more like classic milk. The really fancy barista almond milk, I'm like, this is too real. This is too real. I'm running through a field in Byron with my mouth open. <laughs> It's too real, too much soil. <laughs> this is very reminiscent of our mint choc chip ice cream chat. Yeah. How we want that spearmint yes. flavour, yeah. not the organic mint in a vegetable box mint flavour. No, no real It's mint. too subtle. I want aggressive. It's like the cheese flavour on a chip. It doesn't really taste like cheese. It tastes like cheese flavouring, which is a whole different flavour. Are we talking Doritos or Twisties? All of it. All of that pretend MSG. MSG! Ah, <laughs> oh, MSG. I hate how much I love you. I love it. Although I do get an MSG hangover. So do I. Mm. My bloating. My eyes go puffy. Yeah. And I just feel like hungover all day. Yeah. Not worth it. We're old now. <laughs> I love a Twisty. Would we say not worth it? <laughs> Would we say worth it? Should we get into the episode? Yes. Let's do it. We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to... We don't have time for this. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, aka Gemma Peanut on the gram, along with my co-host, Rebsy. Hi. Hi. How are you? Do Americans say aka? Sure. Why not? I don't know. It just sounded weird coming out of your American mouth. But like, really? How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm fine, 
Thanks. How are you? I can see how uncomfortable it is for you to talk in an American accent. Sometimes, if I'm lucky, I can get like halfway through a sentence sort of sounding American. <laughs> and all the wheels start to fall off and then I'm back to Oka Rebs. <laughs> oh, I love Oka Rebs. Oh, isn't it funny when you're overseas, you've never been more Aussie? Yeah. Like when I'm here in Australia, I don't feel particularly Oka. Mm. Like I, you know, I know I'm not refined or arched. But I don't feel particularly ochre. But when I'm overseas, I'm like, oh, yeah, mate, wackadoo, g'day. No, you do not. I do. Wackadoo? Wackadoo, No. In what context? (laughs) I'm going to assume this was when you were in Scotland that you felt particularly bogan. Yeah. In what context did you bust out wackadoo, mate? I say wackadoo to my kids all the time. Shut the front door. You do not. I do. I've never, ever heard you say wackadoo, mate. I say wackadoo. It's almost like an ironic, like, yeah, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> like, it's just another way of saying, oh, wow. <laughs> when they're like, mom, watch this. Do a flip and waste my fucking time. And I'm like, wackadoo. <laughs> now I'm going to start adopting that. So DLs just opened with my American accent because a DL slid into our DMs and said, more accents, please. It's going to be all on gem for that one. I'm tired already. <laughs> Uh, It does take me back to, again, this is very niche and unrelatable for a lot of people, but it takes me back to when I used to audition in the US during pilot season and the big conversation between Aussie actors in LA was, do you go into an audition pretending you're a yank? So that they're not watching your audition being like, can she do a convincing American accent? So that they're just focusing on your performance. Like you don't want them watching your performance through that lens of, oh, but I know she's arsy. It's always very stressful because, you know, there's Americanisms that Aussies don't necessarily know, like certain words that can trip you up. Like we say oregano, they say oregano, we say aluminium, they say aluminum. I've got a great one. Which one? My friend was working in the States in a shop and he said hey can you chuck this in the bin for me and she looked at him and was like are you having a stroke (laughs) what is chuck what is bin (laughs) yeah trash can you throw this in the trash for me yeah I remember when I asked someone once where the car park was and they were like oh cute a park for your car does it have slides and swings oh what do they call it parking lot a parking lot yeah like a park is a kid's playground so But I thought the Chicago accent was like car park. No, they say park the car in the Harvard yard. To park (laughs) a car is not the same as a car park. They say go park the car in the parking lot. You see what I mean? Okay. Well, they just have valet everywhere. (laughs) They sure do. I remember when I came to visit you in LA, I was like, what? Because you were like, we'll just get valet because everyone gets valet. Yeah. I was like, I've been clueless. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a different culture there. I also remember in LA, like you just constantly had to have dollar bills on you. Dollar, dollar bills. (laughs) To tip. Yes. The tipping culture I find quite stressful as an Aussie. For us, cash really is becoming obsolete because we don't have that tipping culture. Although now you can add a tip via card, but it's not as romantic as like, hey, here's your tip. You know what I mean? The customer service in America is out of this world. It's like stratospherically good because they're all working for the tips. But sometimes it's kind of annoying. So I'll give you an example. You're out to lunch with a friend. They put your meal down and they're like, 
here's your meal. I hope you enjoy your meal. And then they walk off. And then literally two minutes later, and you haven't even had a bite, they're like, so just checking everything's okay with your meal. And it's like, oh, I'll let you know. Exactly. (laughs) And then five minutes later, they're back again, just checking everything's okay. And it's like, I know what you're doing. It's cool. You'll get your 15%. Like, chill. What about drinks at a bar? It's like like a dollar a drink. A dollar a drink. Well, uh, that's what it was when I was living there. Who knows with inflation what it's up to now. But yeah, it is a buck a drink. Yes. Remember travel? Oh, how I miss it. I'd love to go back to New York. I weirdly don't want to go back to the US. Yeah, it's not calling your name. Well, You've done such a good stint there. I did do a good stint, but like I said in another app, like I've got weird travel inertia where, I, okay, so I talk about how I can't wait for the borders to lift so that we can see loved ones, but the idea of getting on a jet plane with my family of four is stress inducing. Mm. And I am a spontaneous traveler, like, I don't see it as an obstacle or a hurdle. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that feels a bit like Everest. Yeah, getting masks on kids and like long haul flights. And, ugh, yeah. Masks on kids? Well, I think it's going to go that way, right? Really? Well, I, my kids wore masks home from the UK because it was like height of COVID fleeing. And were they cool with it? No, it was really stressful and mm. hard. Like Teddy was really little and keeping a mask on him when it took up like his entire face. Oh, bless. I know. It, was, it was hard. It's hard yeah. yeah. It's, not a, it's not what it used to be. And we used to think think it was hard yeah now it's like another level isn't it so you do want to race back to new york of all places i just love new york yeah i I don't know if it's the new york i've known and love anymore the whole world has changed but new york is one of my favorite holiday destinations i just love everything that city has to offer and every time i've been it's been a new experience Mm. it's just such a fast changing place it's electric it's got an energy to it that feels palpable yeah i mean I i don't know things i like to do on holidays Shop, drink, shows, walk around cities. Tick, tick, tick. Restaurants. Boom. Well, Hubs lived in New York for three years. And in the first year of us dating, we were doing long distance between LA and New York. So I would do the five-hour flight. Again, it blows my mind when you have to fly five hours and you're still in the same country. It's like, if I'm going to fly five hours, I want to be on a tropical island with a coconut. Does that mean you guys were bi-coastal? We were (laughs) bi-coastal. It was super cute. He had this cute New York apartment with the fire escape stairs that you could stand out on. I once met a girl called Maria. And suddenly that name! (laughs) We won't do it to you. (laughs) No, let's. (laughs) Maria! You got together in New York. We did. It's your love story. We did. And and look, I think that's almost why I don't want to go back because it was such a precious time. What a city to fall in love in. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it was my favourite season. It was fall. In New York. And Central Park was just a sea of orange. Stop. It, it was heaven. Like a movie. Yeah, it was like a movie. And we did the cliche like ice skating. Yeah. I wore a red beret. <laughs> you know? No. I'm such a cheese bag. You are a cheese bag. I was in my own rom com. You were in a montage. Did you wear overalls to paint a room? <laughs> <laughs> 
We didn't own property, so... Did you get in a top-down car with a scarf on your head? <laughs> Not quite. Did you wake up one morning and wear his shirt out to the balcony with a coffee? Yes. <laughs> definitely did that. All the movie tropes. Oh, and we ate pizza on the street corners of New York City. Some things just can't be imported. You just can't replicate that experience no. when you have that like old Italian family who's been there for generations who just know how to pump out a slice. Yep. And it's like a dollar. I know. Oh, a buck a slice. It's so the bomb. Good. I miss it. I also am sick for street meat in New York. Those sab- sabre hot dogs. New York street corner hot dogs. Three bucks. Yeah. I mean, I know it's pig's feet or whatever, but man, it's good. I think it's pig's rectum. Great. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I am hot for street meat in Thailand. Oh. I fucking froth on it. Of you do, it's you so grew up good. There. I did the meatballs on a stick, the fish balls on a stick, <laughs> all the balls on a stick come at me in my face hole with all the chili sauce. She loves the balls in her face. Oh, I miss Thailand so much. It hurts. When you were a kid. Mm. Did you go to the markets and things, or is that like a touristy thing to do? No, of course we did, but it was our local, as opposed to like the, let's create a market that feels authentically Thai for the tourists. Like, it was just full of locals doing their general weekly shop. So you weren't going to buy like a string of lanterns? (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, no. What did you buy at the markets at your local growing up? Always street food. Food, yeah. Cool. I'm very food orientated. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is going to sound so weird to people who haven't grown up in Southeast Asia. But... So everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uncomfortable saying this because in Australia and the UK, the word maids comes with such connotations. But in Thailand, you have maids. Yeah. And that's what I grew up with. So my memories of markets remind me of going with my au pair slash maid, Bunchu. And she was like my other mother. That's what I used to refer to her as, my other mother. Fuck, I miss her. I really miss her. She just became part of your family. Oh, she was family to me, for sure. She was with my family before my brother was born. Oh, wow. So she was in my life from day dot. Oh, my God. She slept in my room. Like, that, that's very Thai. Yeah. Co-sleeping in Thailand is ultra normal. Like, yeah. you would be an outlier if you had a cot oh, for really? your baby. Hanji P. Yeah. Wow. Did your mom have a cot? No, we co-slept, oh. me and my brother. And then as we got older, my au pair slept with me in my room. Wow. Every night. That's yeah. amazing. And you didn't feel the need to, like, import that bit of culture? That's a really interesting question because, as you know, I'm not a co-sleeper and haven't been with either of my kids. And it's funny because my mum's English and she was like, oh, you're not going to co-sleep with Rafa when Rafa was born. And I was like, mum, have you read like all the warnings about co-sleeping? And mum's like, what? In Thailand, it's normal. Yeah, it's just that cultural difference. Yeah, it's that cultural difference. Suddenly I was like, oh. I've been so influenced by Sid's safety suggestions yeah. and recommendations that I think I I got the scareds. Yeah. I became scared too. But actually, I love a snuggle oh, in know, bed. Look, I'm not going to lie. There were a few accidental co-sleeping nights. Oh, yeah, we've all been there. You know, when you suddenly wake up at 4am and you're like, oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good. You're still on my chest. Oh, yeah, because you get that deep, deep breastfeeding hormone. Sleep. And you're just like yeah. back into like REM in like yeah. two seconds. And yeah. then you wake up with a baby like kind of like 
passed out on your lap and you're kind of passed out as well. Yeah. Do you know what I can liken that to? It's like, have you ever driven somewhere? <laughs> Remember the driving days? <laughs> and suddenly you're at your destination and you're like, whoa, I wasn't driving. Like, I don't <laughs> No, I, I feel like this is going to be relatable for some people. But I have genuine moments when I'm driving. Obviously, a route that I know very well that's like autopilot to yeah. me. And suddenly I'll turn a corner. I'll be like, oh, my God, I was not driving for the last few minutes. I was daydreaming or something, but somehow I would have still adhered to road rules and stopped yeah. at red lights. But I just went on autopilot and I don't remember driving. Yeah, you got to get in check on that. That's like a public safety problem. <laughs> DLs, anyone, slide in. Tell me you know what I'm talking about. I do that with reading sometimes. Sometimes I'll read like four pages of a book and then be like, whoa, where's my head at? Like I haven't actually been reading. But then I go back and I'm like, nope, nope, took that in. Can't relate. <laughs> Sozzles, can't relate. No idea what you're talking about. Oh. Uh, so this morning I yeah. got Teddy Twisties for breakfast. Oh, you've reached that point of lockdown. That's the point of lockdown I'm in. At like 5.45, I was like, do you want peanut butter toast? And he's like, I want twisties. And I was like, no, mate, it's 5.45 on a Thursday. No. And he's like, I want twisties. You know, they're they're about to kick off. Yeah. And I was like, no, you know what? Fine. (laughs) I just poured him a bowl of twisties. (laughs) Like you would the bowl of cereal. And I was like, here you go. Why not? Why not? I mean, lockdown, I feel, is... Yes, it's unending and going on forever, and obviously we can't have twisties every day for breakfast, but uh, sometimes you just got to cut yourself some slack. But as we said in the opener of this episode, we have so few pleasures. So few pleasures. And if twisties in the morning makes him happy, <laughs> then so be it. Do you know what? I don't understand this whole categorizing of breakfast foods mm. versus <laughs> something I'm willing to share <laughs> that I judge myself for. I am an ice cream in the morning kind of gal. Are you? Yep. Ask my mum. Ice cream in the morning? Yep. On the weekends when I was a teenager, tweenager, connoisseur, cookies and cream, ice cream in a glass because I'm a weirdo like that. 8 a.m. Right. I guess it's like a smoothie. (laughs) I mean, a smoothie is just an ice cream in it. That is so generous. A smoothie is just an ice cream through a straw. No, it's not. It's just like a muffin. It's just a breakfast cake. No, I disagree wholeheartedly, but Uh, sure, why not? What's the difference? First of all, most smoothies don't have ice cream in them. I think you'll find they do. That's how they make them delicious. Not the ones I make. (laughs) Not if you make them at home, but if you get one from a cafe. Disagree. Tell me. Name me a cafe. Full of honey, yogurt, ice cream, all sorts of things. A smoothie is an ice cream through a straw. A muffin is a breakfast cake. Pancakes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, pancakes. That's not even with that. The only acceptable breakfast is bacon and eggs. What? <laughs> or toast. Dude, back to Thailand. Yes. Do you know what I had for breakfast nearly every day of my life? Rice in a broth Yum. with salted fish, Yum. stir-fried morning glory. What's morning glory? It's a vegetable. Oh. It's delicious. What is it? Why is it called morning glory? <laughs> is it phallic? Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> I knew I just, you know what? When I dropped that, I was like, Revs is going to find innuendo in this. Yep. That's my role here. It's just <sighs> to seek out the sexiness. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's feeling the drought. Mm. What I would give to eat a Thai banquet mm. right now. What's in a Thai banquet? All the things. I love how Thai people eat. You know how in Western culture you would order like your burger and chips meal? Yeah. 
and someone else will have steak and someone exactly. else will have or whatever. Yeah. Well, in Thailand, food is all about sharing. Mm-hmm. So you have six or seven dishes in the middle of the table and then you have a bare plate. Yeah. So it's like buffet. Yeah, you get to try a bit of everything. Yes. Love it. I'm here for it. I love it. My favourite thing is yum cha. That's what I miss. Because you can't Uber Eats it. It doesn't survive. I absolutely agree. Hubs and I did order from one of our favourite little dumpling places recently, Uber Eats style, and it just did not live up to its no. goodness at all. No, dumplings wait for no girl. It's true. Mm. Do you remember when I came to visit you in Thailand and you had to tell every waiter, like, don't make it too spicy? Oh, and yeah. I like chili. I love spice. But yeah, you but you're like, a basic Westerner. Yeah, you're like, westernize it for this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listeners, so with my parents being separated, so I was living in Australia with my mom and, of course, my dad in Thailand, the agreement between my parents was that I did all my schooling in Australia, but every single holidays were spent in Thailand. And there was one trip in particular where Revs just rocked up. Do you remember you surprised, you surprised me? me. Yep. You've surprised me a few times. You've surprised me a few times. It's kind of our thing. It is our thing. Mm-hmm. But like in other countries, <laughs> like so bougie. So fun. <laughs> and then we had two other girlfriends show up. Oh, God, that trip was debaucherous. It was loose. And you have to remember, like Thailand is a country full of corruption mm. And laws are quite bendable over there. (laughs) I mean, we were clubbing. We hit the clubs so hard. We were absolutely underage. I don't know how your parents, as in you, Liv, and Nikki, let you guys come to Thailand under the care of my dad. Well, I guess they knew your mum and were like, oh, I guess it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't babies. We were like 17. Were we? Yeah. Hold up. There is no way we did that trip the year of HSE. Oh, yeah. It would have been year 11. Yeah. So I would have been 16. And I was 17. You were 17. Yeah, we were clubbing. Getting cabs everywhere, motorbike taxis, eating all the food off the street. It's great. DLs, I feel like I need to paint a bit of a picture of my dad. Daddy, I love you, but you're very uninvolved. <laughs> He's what you call a hands-off dad. (laughs) (laughs) He used to just, here's a phone, here's some cash, off you go. Don't die. Don't die. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. I just feel like he was so hands-off and it gave me the freedom to do whatever the fuck I wanted and then throw in your three besties in there (laughs) and uh, it's a party. Three besties who've never experienced a hands-off dad and were like, what is happening? I can go nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget, we went to Khao San Road, which is this famous strip in Thailand where backpackers are drawn to like fucking moths to all these underground nightclubs. I'll never forget this one club we went to. We hit buckets so hard. Not COVID safe. Buckets are what they sound like. It's a bucket of rocket fuel and like six straws. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Getting passed around. And you just sip from the bucket. Oh, so gnarly. So gnarly. But I remember we emerged from this club and next minute we piled into a cab. Yep. Again, at this time in Thailand, the drinking age wasn't really enforced and neither were speed limits. I remember our taxi driver was driving like 140 k's an hour on an 80 k freeway. Past a random elephant. Four (laughs) drunk teenagers in the car. Fuck. It was hectic, actually. If I think back to it and imagine my 16-year-old in that situation, like it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. But... I remember Nikki was like, I'm going to spew because he was driving so fast. And I said to the cab driver, 
you know, like stop the car. My friend's going to vomit. And he was like, no way, I'm not stopping and pulled out a plastic bag and handed it to Nix. And she puked into this plastic bag. And we thought, fuck, our night's done for. We got to get this chick home. And she, Nikki just like casually tied up the bag, tossed it out the window and said, where are we going next? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, let's go to Ministry of Sound. And off we went. So much wrong with this whole story. Oh, God. I'm just so fucking terrified of teenage Rafa yeah. because she's going to own my ass. And I have to take a deep breath and go, Jim, what were you doing at 14? I thought I fucking knew everything at that age and no one was going to stop me. That's no comfort to think what you were doing at those ages. You can't get amnesia. My mum always says this, and this is why I think she was always the cool mum. She was a responsible cool mum, by the way. I feel like I need to defend her. because she was. She was. But she said that so many people become parents and forget what they were like in their teen years and then punish their kids for behaving the exact same way that they did. Yeah. And I, th- I don't think it's that they forget. I think it's that they remember <laughs> what they got up to. And they're like, not under my roof. <laughs> oh, but then it's so hypocritical. It is, it is. I think you have to remember so that you get on their level. Well, and also anything that you try and restrict or ban just makes it more tantalizing. Always. Always. I remember finding the maids thing really full on when I came yeah. to this video. I was like, I mean, full on great. But also like, oh, <laughs> full on great, full on great. Like I'd literally kick my jeans off and jump in the shower. I'd come back and they'd somehow been washed, pressed and folded. <laughs> it was like waiting for me on the bed. And I was like, holy shit, I could get used to this. Yeah. But also like, oh, thank you. Sorry. Oh, you don't have to. You know, like I just, it's not, yeah. it's not our culture. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know how to interact with these people in your home. Well, it's funny because I grew up with that. But then the moment I moved to Australia, I suddenly developed that discomfort of, someone serving me in my home like it felt really unnatural which is so weird because I had it for 11 years straight from birth from birth and yet I guess I adopted the Australian way so quickly that I suddenly didn't like that classism that goes on in Thailand I mean the middle class has definitely emerged in Thailand but when I was young it was upper and lower it was as simple as that Lower worked for the upper. Wow. The end. And, you know, we had two maids and we had two drivers. And it's weird. Like, you can kind of look at it and judge it. But the reality is we were employing people. Yeah. We were providing people an income for their families. But it's, I don't know, it still makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, the idea to some women of other cultures that we would have a nanny would be outrageous. True. You know, it's just, it's all cultural, this stuff. Yeah. It's like whatever your mum did and whatever you grew up with, like that kind of gets passed down. You know when parents come over to your house and they can't help but comment <laughs> on things? No, I wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one day I was feeling very hormonal and mum came over and she made some comment about, how messy my house was and it might surprise you DLs but my house gets really messy and I'll tell you what in this lockdown I have fully surrendered to it but I just said to her oh that's rich coming from the woman who had two live-in au pairs and maids and cooks and you know yeah exactly and I think it gave my mum pause because she was like no fair call yeah I never did laundry yeah I didn't have to cook. She wasn't doing daycare pickup and then cooking for the kids at no. five and get doing the bedtime, bath time routine and then cooking for the adults. Yeah. yeah. My mum was a career woman. Yeah. 
and she could be just purely career yeah Yeah. and then enjoy us at our best like she didn't have to do the shit jobs which is what I actually love about my memories of my childhood and why she was fun mum because she didn't have to do any of the shit mum jobs that wears you down and makes you cranky and frustrated and impatient with your kids she just got to play with us like Bunchu probably cleaned you up before. Bunchu bathed me. Yeah. She did my hair. She helped me with my homework. Okay. She fed me all my meals. Wasn't that a culture shock thing for you when you moved here? That your hair wasn't perfect like Bunchu had done? Dude. You had fights with your mum about I that? I could seriously get my mum on the potty about what a culture shock it was for her. Yeah. Because imagine spending 15 years living in Thailand where you've fully immersed into the culture and then moving to Australia Mm. where all of that help and support is gone so my mum did not know how to cook Mm. but she's such a good cook she was she is now but at 41 years old she had to call her friends up and ask for recipes pre-internet exactly (laughs) and one of her best friends Maria who is an Aussie flew to Sydney because she lived in Adelaide and taught my mum I'm not. I'm not joking. How to clean a toilet? <laughs> how to cook? I'd love to hear that lesson. So you take this thing, you squirt some of this in here, and then you scrub it around. <laughs> I know it sounds absurd, but my mum was so out of practice. She needed to be like re-domesticated. Yes, because for 15 oh. years she did none of that. And one of the things she had to take on was doing my hair. And I remember going to school in Australia for the first time at age 11, and instead of Bunchu doing really fancy, complicated braids in my hair, my mum couldn't get a ponytail right. And I remember having a full meltdown over it and my poor mum actually when I look back it would have been so stressful for her because she'd never done hair before like I just look back on my life and I'm like this is so weird such a wild transition to make first of all to even as a English woman to go Mm. and completely immerse yourself in Thailand is huge like she's fluent in the language she totally threw herself into the culture didn't she she, she did like, you know public transport the whole thing yep which would have been really intimidating for some people but your mom's like a real adventurer cheers and then to do that have your babies get your babies into like primary school age and then have another huge move yeah huge. monster yeah we've got to get the mums on the potty yeah i think we do i think it's time we publicly bullied them on janma janma yai yai we've got to get you on the potty yeah We've got to do it. As soon as lockdown allows four people to sit around a table, it's happening. That would be so fun, actually. Yeah, it's happening. So do you know what I don't have time for? What don't you have time for, Revzy? It's a bit of a sensitive one. Oh. I need some help. Let's hash it out. So as previously discussed in a very early episode, I think it's F8. Oh, yeah. The one about bodies. Yes. I have a history of body image stuff that's yep. followed me around my whole life anyway i've got a little girl she's almost seven the way her... <laughs> sorry i just i don't mean to laugh but like the way that you said i've got a like dl's no isla okay <laughs> it's like me coming on the potty and saying so my best friend revs <laughs> i don't know if people are like jumping in here for the first time no, you're right. they know nothing about right. us remember one time we had that radio lesson and they said Remind people who you are. That's true. My name's Kate. I've got a daughter, Isla. She's almost seven. And similarly to how I grew as a child, Isla's growth process Mm -hmm. is that she sort of chubs out 
and then shoots up. Yeah. And this only started 18 months ago, maybe two years ago. So when she was about five. Yeah. She just turned five. Up until then, she was just like every other kid, like... A string bean. String bean, you know, with a cute little distended belly, chubby cheeks running around with not an ounce of fat really on her. Yeah. And I have observed that it really triggers my shit. I was going to say, I bet that triggers you because of what you went through in your childhood. I, I find this fascinating with you and I'm glad we're unpacking this because I think about this a lot in the context of how you could potentially project your own shit onto your daughter. Yes. And I'm not surprised to hear this, yeah. to be honest. Well, I haven't yet projected anything onto her, which I'm proud of, because it is kind of my one goal yeah, I know. to get her through as far as I can through life without being body conscious yeah. and without having restriction and without having any of those 90s things that, mm. you know, I would certainly say led to a, a lifetime of body issues for myself. Oh, and there's so much unlearning so to much be done. Unlearning. And I'm actually in a fantastic place at the moment Yay. with my personal body journey what the fuck do you call it <laughs> yeah that'll do I'm, I'm just really comfortable in my skin at the moment you're, you're in a phase of acceptance I'm in a really great phase of acceptance I'm not starving myself I'm not binging and I'm just in like a really chill space which is awesome yeah or so I thought until my daughter's body changed so rapidly mm. in front of my eyes and I know it's normal and I've done the research but it instantly triggered in me fat phobic fears. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to put that on her. And no. I'm not going to restrict her. No. But then then you go in that cycle of like, okay, is she eating healthily? Am I doing this to her? Or is this a natural phase for her body at her age? Yeah. I think the answer it just arrives back at like everybody's different. Girls go through development stages at completely different levels. I was a really early developer. So if she is an early developer, that story checks. Has she given you any indication of suddenly having body awareness? So I have noticed that she... Sorry, it makes me like a bit... I know. It's okay. She will like pull at her top if okay. it's tight yeah, and kind of try and loosen it and mm. make it a bit... Mm. I have noticed a few little behaviours where I know she's aware. Yeah. She's not said anything to me anything like that she's got any shame which is the only thing I'm really worried about Uh, but also can I just say you should be proud of that because the fact that she hasn't got language around it means that it's off the table conversation you just don't talk about bodies in a we don't talk about how people look period which I think is so important but at the same time it's interesting that she is showing it to you physically yeah that there's a bit of perhaps discomfort I don't know if it's actual physical discomfort no that's what I meant like as in her clothes she needs a bigger size clothes or if she's she's like uncomfortable with the changes in her body I draw no attention to it yeah and I just try really hard to not even let my eyes linger on anything in particular because she's quite observant and she Mm. picks up on that kind of thing it's not about her at all she's a perfect healthy six-year-old girl who is very active and has a really balanced really healthy diet like it's just that's just how it is can I ask you a question yes when she is going through I'm gonna I can't I don't feel comfortable saying chub stage but but it's chubby like it's like she chubs up and then she shoots through well I want to say growth spurt sure okay okay how about this pre-growth spurt stage do you feel a need to watch how much she eats so that's what triggers me my instinct my like lizard brain goes I need to pull back on what she's eating she needs Mm. to stop eating so much yeah 
And of course it's not that. Like, no. She is such a healthy diet. And busy and busy, energetic. Ba- and yeah, like, she, you know, she loves the yummy foods like the rest of us. But I'm if I start restricting her now at this age, imagine what that's going to do for her down the line. Like yeah. the lessons and the internalized guilt and the things that she's going to have. I'm not going to put that on her. I'd rather she was a really fat kid, to be honest, than have those issues. Yeah. But I... It, it's not really about her. And mm. No, it's, this is all about you. It's about me. And I've observed what it's triggered in me and some dark shit I thought I was through. Like what? Like, like I just fear that, you know, she's going to get teased or that, yeah. or that people are going to judge me if she's, you know, not got a classic kid's body. Yeah. And, or, um, oh, God, it's so layered, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or that she, you know, my fear is that she would have any kind of self loathing or shame issues herself because to me she's just perfect and I love her so much yeah and I don't want that for her but if there's these layers of like I'm like oh what will my mum think if yeah she's, um this or what will her teacher think some of her friends are tiny little things still who haven't started doing any of the puppy fat shoot through yet mm. and I'm like I just don't want her to feel different yeah but different's wonderful you know yeah and it is I know it's oh it's so complicated it's, isn't it because you want her to have that full acceptance but the exposure that she's going to get is she will draw conclusions herself on what's acceptable in inverted commas uh, yeah, well, I guess that's what I'm sort of trying to leave open to experimentation yes. because she may not because that was a very 90s culture around us. Do you know well, what I, mean? I would hope that things have changed, but social media scares me. Yeah, well, she's not really on social media. No, I know. She, I so know that yet. yet. Yeah. You know, like I think about Kylie Jenner and the influence she has put on a whole generation's faces yeah. from brows to lips yeah. most dominantly. It is wild to but me. just for every Kylie Jenner, there's a Lizzo. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like there is much more democratization of beauty out there now. 100p. And I think by the time our kids' generation get there, there's going to be so much diversity and so many flavors and ways to be a woman or ways to be a man, ways to be a boy, ways to be fluid, whatever. Like, I, I have such hope for that yeah. for their future. I just couldn't believe what it brought up for me yeah and how I thought I was so through it and didn't care what people thought of my parenting but it's like it's thrown onto me this feeling of like oh are people gonna judge me Mm. if my kid is chubby and then I feel the need to almost comment what do you mean well to like sort of preemptively be like oh yeah I was you know about to have a growth spurt or something to like qualify it I don't do it I catch myself so far I've caught myself yeah. But I just, it's just, a, I don't have time for it no, myself. I get it. It's exhausting <laughs> it's mentally. It's sort exhausting. Of figuring out how you want to react or not react well, to it. Well, I know I don't want to react. There's yeah. nothing to do. There's no problem. No. The problem is in my head. Yeah. But I just kind of wanted to air it because I just feel like if I don't get it out of my body. <laughs> yeah, it just sits there. It just sits there internalized. I feel like maybe I'm going to have an early developer on my hands. And I, this is something I, I'm going to have to navigate. I mean, may I make an observation? Facially, Isla looks like her dad. Yeah. Physiologically, yeah. she is you. Yeah. She has your gait. Yeah. She has your legs. She? she absolutely you can't see it, no. but when you two walk side by side away from me, yeah. I'm like, that's Rev's in a miniature form. Yeah. Her posture. Yeah. Like, I just see so much of you yeah, right. in her. And I know you developed crazy well, early. I C-cut boobs. 
by the time Fuck, I was 11. That is hackers. Yeah, but she's only six. Like, hey, she's got a way to go. She's got a way to go. These five years, it feels like it's happening fast. And I just, mm. I wasn't prepared. And I mean, Isla's always raced ahead. It would be classic her to like do puberty two years earlier <laughs> oh, than her God. peers. But I just, I really, I don't know. It's just, I don't even know what I'm saying or asking for. It's just a conversation I want to start about like, how do we handle ourselves and not put our shit and like end the cycle? Of that generational kind of like beauty standards and weird gaze on these young girls' bodies, like in this generation. The answer's right here. Yeah. Just talking about it. Yeah. So you're not holding it in like an uncomfortable fart (laughs) that you just want to release, like better out than in, rather than internalizing them and just sitting there in a state of turmoil over this situation triggering you. Yeah. You can let it go and know that it's okay. And let me validate that. Everything you're doing is the best way of handling it. As you said, I'm not drawing attention to it. I'm not bringing it up. I'm not restricting her. I'm just letting it be and working on your own shit, which is what you're doing. Yeah. Really dark admission. Yeah. But like what I've observed I do with myself is I start restricting myself again. Like on her behalf in a weird way. It must be something like that. But it's like, I'll go, okay, I'm not going to put anything on her. I'm going to protect her from this completely. But I do notice then I start to start doing restrictive behavior Mm. on myself. And I'm like, fuck, it's it's layered. Yeah. It's really layered. Yeah. I want to get her as far as I can into life without having to think about this stuff. I want you to too. It's so hard, isn't it? Because you look at little children and how innocent they are and then something happens. They start to see the world very differently or the world encroaches in on them. Well, they start to go, oh, my value in the world is X. X. For girls, it's so often, oh, you what a little cutie. Oh, that looks so pretty. I love your dress. My fear is the places I can't control, to be honest, the schoolyard, right? We're all scared of the schoolyard. As I said, I hope it's not the 90s schoolyard. Yeah. I really hope we've evolved, but, you know, children are blunt. <laughs> they haven't worked out social nuance. You know, Isla's actually quite socially intelligent. She would never say anything to her other people's feelings, but I've heard girls, you yeah. know, they say mean shit. Even her contemporaries, I've heard some of them say stuff that I'm like, ooh, um, I don't like that. Yeah. You know? I just wish I could protect her, but then I'm reminded all the time of this thing my friend Lisa says, it's not our jobs to protect our kids from the world. It is our job to show them the world, mm-hmm. support them, be there for them, talk to them about it, hold them when they see the world for what it is. It is not our job to shield them from the realities of being a human being. But it is our job to build the foundations of their value system and how they perceive themselves in the world. And I do strongly believe that it all starts with language and how you speak about yourself. Like everyone of our generation, I suffer from insecurities. I can't remember if we've touched on this or not, but I'm someone who physically has been fairly consistent most of my life. Through genetics. Absolutely through genetics. And then I became pregnant and my body, I don't know what happened, but it just... Well, it grew a baby. I know it grew a baby, (laughs) but Revs, even you said to me, I didn't see that for you. Like you you thought I was going to be the kind of pregnant woman who looks like they just swallowed a beach ball yeah, and totally. from the back I don't look pregnant yeah. and then I turn side on and it's like wabamo <laughs> wackadoo was I that no 
No. no. I yeah, gained... It was a real shock for you. It was a shock for yeah. me because... It was the first time your body had changed on you. Yeah. And that's something that other people had gone through already. But for you, this was a new experience and discombobulating. It was utterly discombobulating. It was jarring. Like, yeah. I remember looking in the mirror and going, I, who is this? And feeling serious discomfort mm. in my body. Mm. This is going to sound so silly, but if we're... <laughs> speaking dark truths like we all know I had the worst pregnancy ever but a lot of it was wrapped up in serious loss of self-esteem based purely on physical reasons yeah like my husband would attest to this but I was so honest and verbal with him but I I, one time I was like I hate myself Mm. I've never felt so uncomfortable in my skin I don't like this I guess I've developed an awareness now with Rafa where I just never want to ever let her hear me talking about myself in that way. That's where she will get her value system from. She'll be like, oh, mum thinks she's not as worthy because she's a bigger size or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, and we can't do it to them. We just can't. We have to be so strict on ourselves. Yeah. Because we're already fucked. Like, we're done, you know? I know. We're we're not suddenly going to be like, oh, I'm free of body shit. I've got body neutrality. Hooray me. I've done it. I've arrived. Like, I've kind of accepted I'll probably never get there. Like, I'm in a great place with it, but the damage is done, you know? Yeah. I've still got a way to go, I think. Yeah. I've been really tough on myself this time because I've compared my postpartum body with Iggy to Rafa. Oh, and it gets harder and harder with every baby. Yeah, and again, this is so dumb to admit, but after I had Rafa, this is embarrassing, but like I was incentivized to bounce back in inverted commas, hate that term, because I was a bridesmaid. Oh, we both were. Your wedding. No, Liv's wedding. No, I know, but I did it for your wedding. Oh, yeah. yeah. You did do it. Oh, my God. Yes, that's so true. Stuffed myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because our dear darling Livy put us all in silk satin slip dresses, <laughs> which is so funny because four out of five of her bridesmaids were mums. <laughs> oh, Livy, I love you. We all looked beautiful. We did. We pulled it off. We really did. But it definitely triggered me to be like, I need to get back to my pre-baby weight by the time Liv's wedding comes around. And I also emceed her wedding. You know, when you're a bridesmaid, you're like, no one's going to be looking at me. It's all about the bride. But then I was like, oh, I'm emcee at this wedding. I actually will have a room full of people staring at me at random points in the evening. So I felt stressed by that. But then I was like stoked because I had a goal and we know how goal oriented I am. So... It was a dangerous combination and I reached that goal for mm. Liv's wedding, this yeah. stupid weight goal, yeah. which I'm embarrassed to admit. Oh but my God. but that's what we were sold, right? It's like diet for the formal, diet for this party, diet for the disco, diet for this thing. I challenge any married DL to tell me that you didn't wedge shred for your wedding. Oh, it's so sad. It is sad, but everyone fucking does it, whether they want to admit it or not. We're all victims of, I need to look fashionably emaciated at my wedding, and then I'll never look like that again. (laughs) I mean, come on. We all look back at our wedding photos and we're like, oh, damn. Who dare? Unattainable. (laughs) (laughs) But holy shit, I looked good. My point is, I 
constantly have to remind myself about the language I use around Rafa. And I have been known to brief my family about not making comments about her appearance. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I am fine with talking about outfits, hair, any kind of self-expression because it's still fun Mm. and it's still a way of expressing creativity to pull an outfit together like at the moment Isla's got purple hair she's dyed her hair she likes to do particular braids like I know Rafa does too she'll have an Anna or an Elsa all that stuff is fine and I think I was so scared of all that stuff for a long time because I thought no that's just that's a value as well because it's all about appearance but that's actually just self-expression and creativity and I love clothes how do you separate the two so the language I use is I love how you've pulled that outfit together I love the colours I love that pattern oh that blue is really nice with your purple hair <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I try and find like a cool way of acknowledging and celebrating her creativity mm. rather than like I would never say that's a really flattering dress because yeah. that's such a coded thing to say to a woman oh, it's like for sure oh, that dress is lovely it's really flattering yeah. as in it makes you look smaller yeah and I try and stay away from pretty but I do slip up with pretty because mm. it's, you know, we're so used to saying pretty. Just like I've always tried to say, this is really intense and probably a bit much, but I always used to try and say, ballerinas, aren't they so strong? Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of, aren't they so pretty? Yeah. They must have had to work so hard to be so skilled, things yeah. like that. I do know? try and focus on skill-based things. Yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, Raph, you are so brave <laughs> but doing as you that. Say- we're probably going to fuck them up in another way. Oh, I'm like, sure. We'll just be like, they'll be like, we were so success and strength orientated as children that now we don't know how to be vulnerable. <laughs> we don't know how to lose. <laughs> I was told I was so brave and courageous my whole life. That is going to get on a fucking podcast and be like, my mom turned me into a workaholic. <laughs> oh, God, it's so true. <laughs> Oh. Anyway, I, look, it's just an observation of my own shit coming through, projecting onto my kid and me trying to not do that is what I don't have time for this no, week. No, I totally get that. And I know we've already touched on Thailand today, but I'm also just reminded of that cultural difference because mm. in Thailand, commenting on someone else's shape is totally normal. Oh, I couldn't handle that. Yeah, it, dude, it's full on. And as I said, I moved to Australia when I was 11 and fully adopted Western culture that when I used to fly home to see my dad, he would pick me up from the airport and the first comment wasn't even like, hey, Jim, how are you? The first comment was, hey, you've lost weight or hey, you've gained weight. Yeah, right. With a judgment? Always. Oh, right. So yeah. it is a judgy thing. Definitely. Yeah, not yeah. just an observation. Oh, no. Thai people, the thinner the better yeah, wow. is in the culture. And the thing is, is I don't begrudge my dad for making those comments because I understand he's a product of his upbringing mm-hmm. and the culture yeah. in which he grew up in. Mm-hmm. But as I got older through my teens, it was incredibly jarring. Yeah. Incredibly jarring. This will make DLs laugh, but I mean, I'm 171 centimetres, but in Thailand, that's considered really tall. (laughs) So there was a period in my life where I did runway modelling and I'll never forget. Oh, I feel I actually feel a bit triggered because I was not healthy that year. I don't know if you remember. I remember. Do you? Yeah. What's your version of, course, of... Dude, I'm a dieter from age 10. I can spot another dieter. I can smell it on you. <laughs> I can sniff out someone restricting themselves from a mile away. I remember being backstage for a Kenzo. Do you know the brand yeah. Kenzo? Yeah. yeah. 
And this show was particularly memorable for me because it was one of the shows where the top Thai supermodels were in it. And I was this 18-year-old nobody. And I remember being backstage and standing next to this famous model, who I won't name, and I said to her in Thai, Nguang, which means, oh, I'm tired. Because we had some crazy epic hair and makeup that took six hours. So I was fucking shattered by the time the show was about to go off. And she thought I said Nguang, which means fat. Yeah. So I was saying Nguang. Oh, God. And she, I can't hear the <laughs> Let me say it again. So, muang is I'm tired and one oh. is I'm fat. That's just the... Mm. So, I'm sure you know where this is going. Yeah. She thought I said I'm fat. Yeah. And do you know what she responded to me with? She said, oh, that's because you're half white. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I said I'm tired. And she was like, oh, sorry, I thought you said I'm fat. <laughs> Just owned it? <laughs> so weird. God, it's so weird. This is why I'm pumped for our 40s. Why? I just reckon we're going to be through this shit. We're going to be peaking in our careers. We're going to be so less judgmental of the world. We're going to have so fewer soapboxes to stand on. We're just going to be all love and all like, you do you, boo. And we're just going to have the best time. I think 40s is going to be peak, open-hearted. I'm owning... That second half of 30s, so all right, late 30s, if yep. you like, I reckon we'll already be vibing that. Great. I'm in. We'll be running naked down a beach, skinny dipping, our kids tucked up in bed, the oldest one's babysitting. Zero fucks given. Zero fucks given. Judging no one, loving life. Bring it on, Bring bitches. It on. Guys, we've got a really exciting announcement. <gasps> yes, we do. Guys, you keep telling us you can't get enough of the potty. You want more eps. We'll meet you halfway. We're going to be dropping bonus eps on Fridays, and it's called... Besties Hotline! Besties Hotline. So what we want you to do is open your phone, pop onto Instagram, slide into our DMs, hold down the voice note, and send us a voice memo of something that's ticking you off, something that's a dilemma, something that you you don't have have time time for, and send it to us. We're going to open the Bestie Hotline. We're going to hash out some of your problems. Just like we hashed out Revs' problem today. We're going to solve the problems of the world, you guys. It's going to be like sleepover year nine. I love how we're suddenly advice givers. No, we're not going to give any advice. We're just going to hash it out. (laughs) There is a difference. There is a difference. There is a difference. So that'll be dropping on Friday, our first bestie hotline. But before we do that, we've got to... Do our not spotties. Got to do our not spotties. Can I go first? I've got a really good one. As you all know, I'm on a journey to become an amazing cocktail maker. Tell us more. So I just want to get really good at cocktails because I feel like, again, another part of this stage of life we're coming into is like elite cocktail hour, right? Especially with this unending lockdown, cocktails are life. You're trying. I see you trying to get on board. I am trying to support. I've got nothing to say. But you know what? Why not? (laughs) Why not? Let's get into cocktails. Yep. So I've kind of nailed the glassware. I've nailed the ice cube tray. I've found the perfect tequila. We're all about the soda stream. Like, I'm getting really good at all the elements. But I've found something that really just elevates a cocktail. Ooh. Dried lemons and dried limes. If you're feeling fancy, dried blood orange. Where does one get such things? Oh, funny you ask. Here's my (laughs) hashtag not sponsored. The Whole Foods Refillery on Instagram. Ooh. And you can order these gorgeous big jars of pre-sliced and dried citrus. 
What does it add to the drink? Aside from making you feel fancy in the glass. It makes you feel fancy. It adds a little chink. You know, it's got that aesthetic elevation. Bit of flavour, maybe? (laughs) It's a garnish that makes you feel fancy as fuck. It takes cocktail hour to the next level. The Whole Foods Refillery online. Buy yourself a jar of bougie dried fruit, y'all. Do you know what? I can get behind that yeah. because Hubs has been making me some fancy AF mocktails. Oh, it'd be brilliant in a mocktail. Yeah. You'd be missing out on nothing. If you came to my house and I made real margaritas and then like a gem margarita, I could also put the dried limes in yours. Make me feel bougie, baby. Make you feel special. At Christmas time, it's going to be really great for decoration too. Just putting it out there. I know Christmas is not that far away. Decoration but... for what? Put dried fruit on your wrapping paper. Oh. Oh, cute! Yeah, with some cinnamon sticks. Yeah, put it in a pudding. I don't know. Whatever you do with dried fruit at Christmas. <laughs> when you said decoration for Christmas, the first thing I imagined was you attaching some thread and hanging it on to the tree, tree like an ornament. And I was do like, do that? shut up. They do not. Americans deep in the Midwest woods <laughs> definitely hang dry fruit on their Christmas tree. Okay, I'm going on a slight tangent for a second. I promise this won't turn into a deep dive. But... Hubs has got a lot of American friends because he lived in the U.S. for six and a half years. And my favorite thing is his American friends do that tradition of taking a family Christmas photo, getting it printed into a postcard and sending it globally to all of their friends. A Christmas letter. And it's a bit newslettery. Like it gives you an update. Like Isabel's doing this right now and -and so-and-so is eight years old and currently studying ice skating. Someone needs to call them and let them know that's called Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, it's so 80s. Yeah. But even the theme of the photos. What, like Christmas jumpers? Like Christmas jumpers and like fake snow backdrop. Like they've gone to a studio. Like oh it is a vibe. Here for it. Is it ironic or is it all in? I wish they were being ironic. <laughs> I, I mean, I would appreciate that. Yeah. But no, it's the earnestness oh my God, of it. Jim, this year, can we do an ironic family Christmas photo? Yes. Yes, let's. I'm so down for it. Okay, give me a not sponsored. You must have one. So, Rebsy, seeing as your hashtag not spawny was for the parentals of the world, I'm going to share a not spawny for the kiddies. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool. And then I got one and my kids are obsessed. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Have you heard of quiet books? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Curious Columbus does the best range of quiet books. If you don't know what quiet books are, they're like fabric books with interactive activities. Yeah, they're like a sensory play situation in a book format. Correct. So, for example, Rafa's got one where it's all made out of felt and there's like a veggie patch and you like pull out the carrots and turnips and then you put them in a felt pot and it comes with a felt spoon and she can like stir it. And it's all in a book. Mm. It's the best travel hack ever. Mm. They're quiet, hence the term quiet books. But Curious Columbus have just come out with a new one and it is fucking brilliant it's called my big day and it's a felt book that teaches them their routines for the day so for example there's like a felt face where you can flip their mouth open and it reveals their teeth and then there's a toothbrush and they can brush their teeth and there's like a clock so it's like my alarm goes off and you can (laughs) i know children are your real life alarms unfortunately i've just found that they're a toy that goes the distance Yeah, cool. because i I really hate those short-term attention span toys where it's like this is amazing for a day and then they never fucking pick it up again that's like the only kind of toy i have (laughs) 
we're in peak like I want a Batman doll, and then he's found like behind the bathroom door with yeah. his head pulled off. Classic. Know, a day later, but yes, that sounds beautiful, lovely. Yeah. So check out curiouscolumbuskids.com. Is it time to cue the outro? Oh, cue the outro. Oh, cue the outro, mate. What is this? I don't know. Scottish. It's Scottish. I thought we were German for a second. It's Scottish. <laughs> All right, let's do it. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast. (laughs) Aggressive. It was like Groundskeeper Willie. (laughs) Simpsons reference. Yeah, we did.